Watermaster Studio presents Brushing Up, a miniature painting and tabletop gaming podcast. Welcome to Brushing Up, the miniature painting and tabletop gaming podcast where I, Dan the Quartermaster, talk with hobby industry professionals, community leaders and volunteers, as well as content creators about their experiences in the hobby. My guests on this episode are Kate and Richard from the UK Games Expo. I caught up with them to have a chat about the convention, how it has grown over the past 15 years, and what we can expect to see at this year's show. And joining me remotely is Kate and Richard from the UK Games Expo. Guys, welcome to the show. How are you? Oh, not too bad. Yeah, too bad. yeah, very, very good. Boiling and melting like everybody else. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that the heat is on both temperature-wise and for you guys with the, the show only days away. It must be coming down to crunch time. Yeah, it is. I mean, what are we now? Um, well, t- two weeks from now, I would have think it would have done it. <laughs> we've done the show, so yeah. uh, <laughs> time will be the will be the Friday, I think. Yeah, yeah. the show. Sunday time be Friday. Yeah. yeah. So yes, it's uh, coming down for the last few days now. Brilliant. Well, before we have a chat about the uh, the UK Games Expo, let's get to know both of you as hobbyists in the tabletop gaming hobby. Um, so the question for both of you is, how did you get into the hobby? Um, should I go first? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. no, you do. Uh, for my case, um, I was about 11 and there was a movie on the television mm-hmm. from uh, called Callan. I don't know if you've seen, uh, heard it. It's an old 1970s uh, movie based on a TV series, a sort of detective spy movie type thing. And anyway, the critical right. moment in the movie was there was a war game that happened. Uh, the Battle of Gettysburg was like recreated, um, and that was pivotal to the movie. I can't remember why, how they found the murderer as a result of it. But basically, the point being, I was more interested in the in this scene of the the war game, and I then went to a local yeah. library the next following day and bought, borrowed various. Uh, books on, you know, what Napoleonic one, English Civil War, and World War Two wargaming things, and started collecting nice. match, match um, box figures and things. And then flow, that was the initial start. But the following year, I discovered Dungeons and Dragons and Traveller, uh, the black book, uh, the black box of a. Uh, of Traveller and the red box of uh, of Dungeons and Dragons, the basic uh, game. Yeah. Um, board games and things followed on fairly soon after that. We'd have whole weekends of diplomacy, where, you know, the game when you can. Um, lose friends in a whole weekend. Yeah. What about yourself? What about yourself, Kate? So, um, so I find that very interesting because you actually um, got into it on your own, whereas a lot of people, uh, it's friends who got them into it, and that's certainly the case mm. for me. So, so for a start, um, my dad had um, a lot of those little miniatures, although he tended towards having the hoplites, the Spartans, kind mm. of thing. So they were sort of always around and stuff. Um, And then uh, a friend of mine, his uncle had uh, introduced him to AD&D, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, back in the day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, bearing in mind that we must have been seven or eight. So we didn't really know what we were doing. And he came around to my house and ran a game for my brother and I and um, our best mate up the road. And, um, And it was Dwellers of the Forbidden City. And it okay. was absolutely amazing. And we, we half role played, half built, rolled dice randomly. And suddenly all the stuff that on the telly you're shouting at because they're making stupid decisions, <laughs> you're in there and making the stupid decisions yourselves. So that that's how I got into tabletop 
in a big way and then obviously yeah. the wargaming stuff because um because it was always around the house and things so yeah and i mean that's quite a while ago now and then played D D. We we always played board games as a family actually, but they tended oh, that's to be, nice. Yeah, it was it was good, but it it, ah, it it tended to be the sort of monopoly type stuff, which I don't do right. that. <laughs> you know? yeah. um, and I always lose at. And now luckily with my friends' kids, um I lose because that's what you know you're supposed to do or whatever. Um <laughs> and uh and then it was kind of like, well what goes on? And there was a um there was Gen Con uh UK yeah which was down on the coast, which wasn't so far from me because I, I've been mm. south originally. And um, and we went to that and that was that was astonishing. There were just games everywhere. You could try everything, demos. And um, yeah, that that was my that was my first yeah, you, convention. You're I right. I, we, I sort of was uh, we were quite dependent in a way. So I didn't go to conventions or shows at all until I was at, yeah. at university. So yeah. what I did do, though, is we did lots of things. Uh, I got my, my friends all involved in it. So right yeah. from the beginnings, we were having weekends when they come around and we Play with all these toy soldiers, and gradually these would become more and more elaborate weekends. Yeah, um, of more quite complex sort of scenarios and everything. So we had these semi-role playing games, semi-war game things. I remember what we called um, what was it um, Force Ten or something, which was these games where they'd have secret missions to do. You know, you know, right? And there'd be some someone would be the traitor, the Nazi traitor amongst the midst. Oh no! And we had the whole thing laid out. So there was yeah. a whole village in Norway they were trying to go into and raid. <laughs> wow! And they'd be landing on an airfield somewhere at one end and all this sort of stuff. So yeah, it's you're quite actually playing weekend. where eagles dare. Yeah, we were doing those very or... much. So and then there was yeah. uh, the first one was on an island called El Sunny, and then there was then there was a sequel was Force Ten from El Sunny. Uh, <laughs> I went to Norway and, and it was great weekends like that. But, but but I wasn't really aware of conventions in those days. I was oh, we okay. did things very much ourselves, very much in groups. Um, and I yeah. started to hear about shows and things sort of after mm. university. Mm. Um, you know, so oh, okay. groups of friends and, and things, you know. Well, yeah. But still just groups of friends. So the next question might seem a, a, a bit of a silly one because you guys run the UK Games Expo, but do you see yourselves more as gamers or miniature builders and painters when it comes to your hobby? Uh, well, I'm much more of a gamer. I do paint. Yeah. We've had a painting a lot of figures this particular last winter during the whole lockdown period. Um, uh, sort of early on in the lockdown period, suddenly loads of gamers were sort of putting up figures of stuff they'd been painting. But we were getting ready for that virtual show that we did mm. last year, so we were yeah. quite busy last summer. Uh, mm -hmm. And we got into the this 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 winter just gone. It was very uncertain whether we would or wouldn't be in a position to be able to do anything. So we needed something else to keep occupied. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I got back to painting lots of uh, sort of twenty eight mil polyonics and things. Um, so yeah, I went for a ton of those over the over the winter months. Mm. <laughs> mm. But that was the first time in about probably about a decade that I painted. Oh okay. Um, but it was fun. It was fun. It was good to do. So yeah. What about yourself, Kate? Are you a, a, a gamer or a painter? What would you sort so, of so off? I I, lo I love doing both. I think I think that's the thing. I, I don't <laughs> make choices. I want to do both of the things, please. <laughs> that would be great. Um, <laughs> Uh, I so my first the first miniature I remember getting that was yeah. actually ours. Uh, my parents had put a citadel miniature mm -hmm. um, metal ogre into wow. a Christmas cracker into each of our Christmas crackers. So at Christmas Day, uh, my brother and I are pulling these crackers each, and this giant clonk <laughs> <laughs> Christmas dinner, and there's this honking great big. Um, metal miniature in there and that that was the most extraordinary thing and and that was that was brilliant and then um, that was dangerous on so many levels this is it's terrific <laughs> good, good parenting my parents are ace um, all right and 
and then my father then we, we cleaned it up on the next day um he showed oh, the us cranberry sauce off. yeah yeah, yeah. Cranberry sauce and the, gravy. Yeah, the gravy off it <laughs> don't don't lick your miniatures kids you know? <laughs> you're not supposed to put the brush in your mouth but mm. oh. um so then the next day uh he got out the humble enamels and we sort of gooped our way <laughs> through that <laughs> in a in a very very oh. enthusiastic kid way but um, yeah the D and D group that we played with, um, we all painted our miniatures and things, and the monsters mm -hmm. and things like that. So it was always came as sort of a, a double set of stuff to do that. Um, yeah. And then, I mean, I, I uh, friends of mine got into War Machine, so I got into War Machine. This is uh, mm. a while ago now. So then you have this enormous army to paint, and there's always something new coming out for it. And yeah. you obviously, desperately need that beyond the other thing you desperately needed last month or whatever. Um, so I tend to do that, but. Um, and now I'm a massive fan of the uh, Games Workshop Warhammer plastic stuff. So yeah. after that initial thing, see, I like them. I like the model to be heavy. I know this mm -hmm. is old school and, and things, but I like to be able to pick up the model and know that you're holding the model. First time I picked up the plastic model, it nearly went into orbit. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, wow. And you, you expect it, grab the base carefully, pick it. I was like, oh, no, oh, no, there's, there's no weight to this. But um, oh. I really like their plastics and stuff and um yeah, yeah very detailed details is glorious yeah. and then we were uh, looking, yeah we were yeah. lucky enough to have some kingdom death monster when we okay. went to america and um that um i think it was described as the prog rock of miniature gaming and i i, I absolutely wow. agree <laughs> okay i have to check that out weird yeah yeah sorry that's really cool no, I was just going to ask you. You've kind of already answered the follow-up question: is what's uh, what's currently on the painting table at the moment for both of you? But you know, I'm, I'd be surprised if anything was that you're flat chat getting everything ready for the show. Yeah, I mean, I packed all my paints away when we yeah. we were going ahead with the show. But with the information, yeah. uh, but I've got some boxes of uh, um, English Civil War stuff actually that I I bought ages ago from Warlord Miniatures. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I'd forgotten I had them. And when I was sort of doing this painting of the Napoleonics, I was sort of rooting yeah. from the cupboard and out fell these sort of, uh, um, you know, about eight boxes of these things. I thought, okay, well, that's the project after the expo. <laughs> uh, Rich so has got it. an amazing games room. I, I'm envious of anyone who has a wow. game room. I will have a games room, but, but not just yet. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to. See the have to come check, check it, come check it out sometime. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm working on mine at the moment. It's a work in progress. Nice. <laughs> yeah. I feel that it should be though. I think a games room should evolve. Oh yeah, you. definitely. You should have things in yeah. it. I've got a miniature on the shelf there that I painted when I was about twelve. I think right. I've got an original my character figure from the or I think it was I mainly GM to be honest, but I think it was an NPC sort of guy mm. that run run, run with okay. a yeah. sort of dwarf figure or somewhere. So yeah, so you should have stuff that you've got or you can go back to over the years and think about well, mm. those games and stuff, you know. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um and I guess the the last question I've gotten the obligatory hobby questions here is what <laughs> advice would you give to someone who's interested in getting involved in the hobby? Well, the best thing to do is just get to things. Now, of course, it's not that's the easiest thing to say at the moment, is it? So, no. What can you get to? But uh, hopefully, over the next year or so, things will start to open up around uh, the you know the world and things. And so, yep. clubs, clubs are great places. Most most clubs are pretty welcoming of uh, of new people. Obviously, mm -hmm. show, shows it goes without saying. Shows are great places as well. Yeah. Uh, of course, there's a lot on the internet now, isn't there? A lot of these um, you know, things like podcasts and YouTube channels and things where you can at least start to find out what's what's going on in various you know, gaming genres. Um, wow. It's not difficult to, to, to start to dig out, dig around a bit with the uh, miniatures, for example, or 
football games or role playing games or anything else. Uh, but I think the person, I think the best thing of all is the social bit of being being at something with people. Uh, yeah, and I think it's weird. It's last year because we've been so used to being at nothing with nobody. Um, <laughs> to, <laughs> yeah. uh, to get to coming out of our hibernation. Yeah, we? but coming out of the hibernation at some point over the coming months, it's going to be, you know, um, the, I think we've got to get back to that sort of thing, aren't we? A social, uh, social yeah. animal, or humans. So, you know, we that it's a natural thing in our environment, and, and uh, mm. you know, most cities and things around the world have have a club or two that you can join. Um, yeah, and most people that'll be able to give you advice and how to get started and things. Um, also, I mean, mm -hmm. this is a wonderful thing is with the internet, you can shop around, you can, you know, do your internet search and say, What is this? What is that? Because that was, I remember that as a for the longest time until Lord of the Rings came out, trying mm. to explain what it is we do, what the thing is, how it works, all that kind yeah. of stuff. Now. Now you can see it in um, varying levels of these are a couple of folks in the basement or in uh, in the front room going, we want to play this game. So we're broadcasting it on Twitch and now it's on YouTube, whatever, to the very, very polished sets that you, that you have around the, the world where people are actually have huge amounts of funding and Amazon have bought their second series and that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, but I, I would also say, so one of the things with UK Games Expo's website is that we have a listing of events and clubs. Now, the events are yeah. not up to date <laughs> because <laughs> okay. we've got a lot of people going, um, <laughs> as to whether it's running or not. However, after yeah. the expo, those will be up to date. So you can always okay. go on there and see what's on. There's also games clubs. We're trying to list games clubs on the sites as well. Yeah. So that if you happen to be somewhere you've either moved in new you've not picked it up yeah. or um you have to be visiting a place you can go along and say oh so and so's got a game night again these are just a list but it's on our it's on our list of things to make things more to whizzy do. bang yeah. after the show yeah it's coming autumn winter into the particularly next spring things will start to open up and start happening again yes um, yeah. and um fingers and, crossed yeah. all possible appendages crossed because yeah. <laughs> oh my praying God. To, to yes. all the gods, yes, yes. Yeah. things, you know, things you own and that aren't alive or anything like that, please. Yeah. <laughs> Not first, <ball. laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Well, um, I guess it's it's time for us to crack on and, and have a chat about the UK Games Expo, um, which is coming up. I believe it's the weekend of the thirtieth of July. Is that right? Yep, thirtieth of July to first August. So, brilliant. So days away. Excellent. So yeah, it's only only a little, uh, a few sleeps away. Um, I guess best place to start is at the beginning. How did the uh, the UK Games Expo start, and how long has it been running for? Now, well, the very first expo was held in the year two thousand and seven. Uh, what mm -hmm. we, well, I I'd been a member of a, I still am a member of a club in Birmingham, uh, which at that time yeah. its membership was rather dwindling, um, and we decided we'd have oh. a, uh, you know a bit of an open day, try and expand the membership. Uh, so yep. we did a thing at a just a sports gymnasium thing, long since forgotten event. But we put quite a bit of effort into it. You know, we got about thirty or forty exhibitors along. We did flyers in the whole area, put some adverts in the magazines. We managed to get about four or five hundred people, and it was considered mm -hmm. a fairly decent um, effort. And that then was the start of the bug for sort of running a thing. Um, and one or two people that came to that event wanted to run some tournaments in miniatures, things like Dungeons and Dragons miniatures, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and so we ran a thing uh, called Game in Birmingham in two in in, in, the, in the spring of two thousand uh, uh, and um, six, 
right. and decided um, that we, what we really wanted to do, though, was to do a proper show. And I'd sort of been reading around about things like Gen Con and things like, uh, although I'd not been to the UK Gen Con, but things like the American one and Essence yeah. in Germany and other things. I'm thinking, well, there wasn't anything really on that scale in the UK because the UK's Gen Con was a very sort of focused hobbyist event, really, wasn't it? And not yeah. a mainstream event to appeal to the, to the larger numbers. Right. Um, and so we went to uh, Essen in Germany, which is mm-hmm. um, an immense place, you know, sort of size of the NEC just, just for board games and things. Yeah. Seven or eight halls full of board gaming uh, and other stuff, some miniatures, some role playing, but mainly board games. Um, and um, I managed to persuade some exhibitors to, to give it a go. And we said, look, we're hoping to get about 400 people the first year. Uh, and, about, and But we put, we put stuff out there. We got 1,000 people turned up um, the first time. So much so they were running out of sort of water and bread rolls at the venue. <laughs> oh, right. and, and so there was clearly an interest in it, and it sort of built from there. So his first six years were done in a Masonic lodge with no windows. Uh, oh, in, no. Um, Sounds good. ominous. But actually, <laughs> we, we think about it, it was quite a good building to do it in, because there were all these peculiar rooms, weren't there? Yes. With a strange yeah. ceremonial equipment and stuff. Quite good for them. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And gradually over the years, we discovered more and more of this. They let us, eventually, we managed to map the entire bit apart from the hidden room. And yes. we, convi- <laughs> we convinced, because we mapped the whole thing in like 3D, that there was, there was right. a hidden room between a couple of the layers. And we said, what's in Ooh. there? Nothing. Um, <laughs> so we never quite found out what was there but after six years we had to move and by then we a couple of the larger companies um both in the uk and in america came along and said they would support us in moving on so right. went to the hilton at the nec um yeah well we'll be fine for several years but after the second year we already had outgrown that and by the third year we put a marquee uh, in the car park um mm. And then we moved into the NEC, which is where we've been with the Hilton Hotel um, mm. year, um, since. Although this year the Hilton's re- close to refurb, so we haven't got it right. this year. So it's, so it's gradually expanded over the over the years um, until, yeah. of course, twenty twenty. <laughs> so. yeah. yeah, well, you know that stumbling block. Uh, I guess we're dealing with and um, uh, taking it in our stride, I suppose. But with that aside. Uh, what happens at the UK Games Expo? Uh, what what can visitors expect when they go along to to the uh, the show? Um, so we pride ourselves on running a show that mm. there's too much to do at that show in the three days we give you to do it. Right. This, this is intentional. You go to so many shows and things where you go in. There's one or two things to do. You might queue for four thousand years in order to do it. Um, mm. And then that's it. You're sort of wandering around a bit at a loss unless you're going to have money on things that you've probably already got. Firstly, we want to have as many exhibitors there as possible, demonstrating mm. games, demoing games, showing what's new, showing what's there. People have got um, designers and um uh, people who are actually illustrating the games on their stands so you can talk to them. So everyone that you have an interaction with, they're mm. close to the game. So whether you love the game already and you want to know more about it, whether you want to get a demo of the game because it's the yep. first time you've seen it, um, whether you just want to introduce your mates to it and play that game, that's one of the things you do. So huge amounts of demos um, at the show. 
loads and loads of exhibitors who are also running demos at the show. Uh, you can obviously buy huge amounts of stuff, and I've seen on uh, social media <laughs> things people are, are rejoicing because um, we are over the end of a payday, so people get paid. Time that well. Yes, yes. So please, please <laughs> make sure that your family and friends can still eat. Okay. Yes. <laughs> you yes. Cannot and you can your... pay rent. Yes, yeah. yes, please. These, these are also important people, you know. Um, so huge amounts of demos. So you can basically come in with your ticket and you can yeah. play the games. Um, there we also run um, live shows. So if you are, if you had enough of walking around the halls, because most people do a considerable amount of mileage over the last, yeah. over the three days. Um, I think someone clocked 31 miles back in 2019 or something. Someone claims to do a double marathon at one point. Really? One of our volunteers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> and they're all wearing these little um, fitness uh, watches and things now to yeah. see how far they're doing because that's part of the thing is how, how many miles am I doing? So we're not saying you'll get a fit at the show, but you'll walk an awful lot more than perhaps <laughs> you thought you would. Um, yeah. so you also run live shows. If you want a bit of a sit down, there are gaming-related, nerdy-related live shows. These are anything from um, sing-along stuff with uh, Jolly Boat, who, right. who are absolutely tremendous, uh, literally a band of brothers, all two of them, yeah. Um, yeah. who will sing nerdy songs and things. Um, there is uh, John Robertson of The Dark Room, which if you don't know it, it's the, uh, the world's um, only live-action live action yeah. 8-bit video game. So those old computer okay. games back in the 80s where you, I mean, it's a, you, you, you're wait to find yourself in a dark room. What yes. to do, basically, and he does it as a live action thing. Yeah. So you're wow. saying, oh, the light on, and he says, well, how do you find the light switch? You don't. Yes. It's a dark room. So okay, well, yeah. the wall. He said, well, the wall is damp and feeling yeah. and stuff, but um, you can't find a sort of it's... try a different wall and so on. You know, and it's so you uh, have to work through it. Yeah. But uh, wow. Way is uh, there, there's um, it's just making people laugh the entire time, which is wonderful. Yeah. He's, he's an incredible yeah. host. It is possible to get all the way through, but most of the time people die. Yes. And, and yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's also a pile of live shows um, of all sorts of things like Werewolf Live. There's Questioning, yeah. which is like the old um, Nightmare uh, Live on um uh, on the You're television so oh yeah the old like vhs games yeah, yeah like atmosphere and things that's like that easy. very very similar kind of thing like that. Yeah. that that's the feel of darkroom but question is more the someone's in a helmet and they can't see and either their mates and i use this term very broadly or the audience have to try and steer them around as to where to go uh, all oh, right the yes. guy with the rubik's cube tom crosby yeah, this bloke, yeah. bloke who's just absolutely amazing so, a guy, so the guy with the Rubik's Cube is absolutely amazing with sort of uh, – he can do two Rubik's Cubes at the same time. He can make a picture where all the pixels are made up of about about 80 Rubik's Cubes, uh, that wow. kind of thing. Um, so he's extraordinary. So there's live acts. And then there's there are some uh, – I say some tournaments this year. We usually have a lot of tournaments yeah. on the show. Uh, it is obviously mm. reduced this year because we haven't got the biggest tournaments that we normally run, things like nationals and Europeans and all that sort of stuff. But we still have a good mm. selection of board game ones. We've got a, a, a two or three miniatures ones, um, Art de la Guerre, mm. and, uh, Imperial, um, what's it called, the um, Star Wars. Imperial Assault. The Imperial yeah. Assault, yeah. All right, yeah. And a couple of things like that. Uh, lots of board mm. game tournaments. And, and a schedule of role-playing games. Um, and all of this will, will come back in a much bigger way again in twenty two. Um, yeah, hopefully there is still stuff to be to be done in in, in at the show in twenty one, yeah. um, and outside we have a Viking village. So the Vikings oh, will be wow. combat outside and showing you how to what life was like in uh, you know AD a thousand. 
yeah but that sort of that sort of thing and there's plenty for the family as well there's a treasure hunt for family uh, where you can win a pile of games um and the family zone where they can sit down as a family and be taught games and learn games together yeah and the children's role-playing zone where, where again the children seven to twelve can play uh yeah. sort of stripped down versions of dungeons and dragon type things uh, yeah so we we sometimes work out with the full show we yeah. work out that if you were to spend just four minutes with with each exhibitor it would take seventeen hours to 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 go around because oh. all the time we're open um, so, so <laughs> uh, it is so actually you, it does you know uh, there's 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 plenty to keep you occupied both in the yeah. and in and and gaming areas around and about and on top of that we also have a um, activities around game design okay for people who want to do to make games, um, yeah, and pitch game ideas to publishers. They can play test their games, that sort of thing. And if you've not thought about it before, we've got some some seminars and things on the Friday. Normally, our program again, it's it's um it's normally bigger than this, but we're being very yeah. careful with the whole thing this year. Just just making sure that we're running a, a safe show. Of um, course. So yeah. so we've got a program on Friday for if you haven't thought about. Um, doing any of these sort of things then mm. um, you can go along and maybe listen and maybe it'll inspire you that you know that bunch of cardboard and tiddlywinks you had in the back of the cupboard might actually yeah. be the next best thing or something that yeah. you can bring into being an actual game and we're very very supportive of this mm. because one of the wonderful things about Expo I think or I, I always um, liked about it is the fact that you have these huge um, international entities who are there yeah. But you've also got, you know, Bob and Mary who, you know, made this out of their garage last year and now they've got a starter stand at the show and yeah. everything, everything in between. So it's a real mix of exhibitors as in um, if they're big or small, if they're new or well-established um, and the range of stuff that they, they bring as well. So it's, it's just a massive feast of things to do with gaming. Yeah, I was going to ask about the exhibitors and what kind of mix you've got, but you've, you've answer that question there that you've got both the big international well-established games companies and uh those startups um i guess the real question there is sort of what uh sort of ratio you're getting of those um so it's the sort of thing where we know normally about 400 exhibitors this year about 200 okay um, yeah and it will, it's certainly the case that the bulk of those are going to be uk based because of course of travel situations although we do have a yeah. few internationals Okay. Uh, I mean, the big companies like the Asmodee Group are there, uh, but they are always uh, in the normal expo. It's the Asmodee UK that are representing, you know, the, the Asmodee, Days of Wonder, Fancy Flight Games, mm. um, Z-Man Games, and Catan Studio. Uh, but usually, what would happen at a normal show is there would be the bulk of the setup and the organisation and the manning of all these stands would be done by the UK guys, but the Americans would fly over or. You know, they'd fly. You know, the, the managers and the designers would fly over from the states or wherever. Now, yeah, that's less. That that aspect of it isn't going to be as much this this year. Yeah, companies uh, are still there showing their stuff. Mm. Um, so you can still see what FFG have been up to and what their new stuff is, and Days of Wonder and all the rest of it. Uh, all the various uh, sort of bigger bigger companies. Um, so I think the relative proportions, because Asmodee Group are there, is about normal really in terms yeah. of the the, the 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 large areas of the shows, and then the those quite fun indie areas where there's lots of little companies that might even only have one table, you know. Yeah. Uh, but then they're showing something, and it's not uncommon to go along and see something in one of those, on one of those stands, and then um, you know a few years later is uh, you know 
everyone's got one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And this yeah. is interesting because we've got a load of people kickstarting things. They've come along the show specifically to kickstart stuff. So either yeah. they're looking for pre-orders and things or stuff like that, or um, mm -hmm. wanting to have a look. And you can, and, and I love that because I, I back probably too many kickstarters um oh, no. <laughs> it's not a, it's not a habit it's fine um but the whole idea is that you can actually go along and see see what you're getting see what's there see the process yeah. play through the thing talk to often talk to the the designer and the illustrator and things there um so you get an idea of it before um before you back it and so on and i find that that's very interesting like richard said you you look for these guys one year and mm. you keep a tally on them because then they come back and said well you know i had one table and now i'd like 100 square meters please oh yeah <laughs> like, yeah good you know. good stuff you know and that's all great stuff so so very much the, the indies are the core and the heart of the show because they're yeah. what made it happen in the very first year mm. um, and you know very much the people that are supporting this year and now that's not to say there aren't you know that some some of the some of the larger companies are still with us, but because a lot of them are international, it's mm. difficult for them to 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 do it because uh, you know you can't fly in from you know. I'm no, not, of course. Not, not going into quarantine, but I think you know it'll be a good it'll be a good mix. And as I say, with two yeah. two hundred stands, you know if you spend uh, you know five minutes, if you know if you were to spend sort of even a couple of minutes looking at each stand, that's a that's a lot of minutes. More, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so and of course then when you sit down and do a demo, maybe or one or two of them. Uh, easily, easily, two three days worth of time could be absorbed, you know. Yeah. On top of whatever else you want to do in terms of everything else that we've spoken about, so there's plenty mm. to do. So, so you you mentioned before about how you've sort of obviously changed venue from the wink wink nudge nudge Masonic Hall to. Um, <laughs> it does <laughs> the... make you guys sound sound like you know. If this show gets taken off the air, you know why. Yes. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying that now. Um, but um, apart from the venue change, how else has the um, has the show grown over the years? Uh, you mentioned that there's a bit more focus now on sort of activity base and running those seminars. Is there is there anything else that's kind of grown and changed in the the 15 years that you've been running? Well, I think the one thing is the growth of the family. Yes, absolutely. Now, that was always a, an area of the show. In the very first year, I remember doing a games day just before the show in Birmingham Local Library, and we went to a thing called the Middle Earth Weekend, which uh, used to be held near where Tolkien grew up in Birmingham, oh, right. a Hall Mill. And uh, we would there, we'd be there with all our games, giving out flyers and stuff. So it was all, and the main emphasis being to to get the families along. So it was always part of it, but gradually over the years, it's got bigger and bigger. And 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 you know, in a normal year, the the family. Mm represent a, quite a chunk of the of the audience now and that's definitely yeah. something which is attracting um, the, the mainstream seems to be engaging with it and you know the exhibitors that do their type of games you know therefore come on the back of that so so we've seen a lot of that uh, the the whole publisher designer area as we call it the development of the, the development areas of the show is definitely expanded um you know, and now it's quite a large, substantial part of the show with all the playtesting going on, all those seminars and etc. And that, that, that is likely to expand even even more next year. Um, so those those are great areas of the show. Um, as regards events and things, you know, it was it, we always did have tournaments, but those have gradually got more and more. And, and I guess we become more experimental what events we put on as well. Um, mm. So um, some of the mega yeah. games and things that yes. ran in twenty nineteen, I think, were interesting. 
where um, it'd be like a board game uh, concept. So uh, watch the skies. And he right. said they did it as a huge room with different tables. Everyone's different parts of the um like different factions within the game yeah. and you play it over a number of hours and things and it's a very different feel yeah. when you're actually interacting with different people who perhaps you don't know because it's a main yeah. game and, and there's lots of people at the show so yeah and, um, and also things like the cosplay areas and things have grown over the years mm -hmm. um, for, for a bit of sort of like there's a sort of like a extra entertainment particularly with the families aren't they and uh, a lot yeah. of those costumes are great to see Chewbacca or something like yeah. that around is, is uh, there a particular uh, cosplayer that stood out for you over the years that so so i think i think um i think for me the um like richard said the chewbacca that we had last year i don't know who's inside that i don't know, I don't know who's inside that but um they put on a uh, a uk games expo yellow volunteer t-shirt yes. uh, and then stood at the door waving at everybody so that was <laughs> a, we, we didn't plan any of this it's just that's what they did so um Thank you to the Chewbacca and the, the two Deadpool <laughs> minions volunteer. who are yeah. dancing with, with the Chewbacca. Um, oh, wow. It's been really easy to see um, who our volunteers were because you see this, oh, why is, why is he wearing a yellow shirt? It's like, oh, well, that's our volunteers. If you have a problem, if you've got anything you need yeah. to sort out, go and see a yellow shirt, If you, you know, and there'll be light blue shirted ambassadors to hang around and say, hey, how do you want to get involved? Do you know what you're doing? Yeah. You know, and uh, and that kind of thing. But. Yeah, it was it was good. I like the Daleks though. Yeah, we that, got, we've got Daleks yeah. again this year and, and a TARDIS this year. I guess, we do. So. Oh wow! That yeah. was my highlight of UKG twenty. Oh my goodness, might be twenty twelve maybe. Mm. So right. I, I got to drive a Dalek. So I went up and begged this guy. So I, I was um <laughs> I've always been at the show, but I haven't been working for Expo. It's only since twenty eighteen I've been working for Expo. But I've been going along there as a demonstrator. And uh, and I went up and I begged this guy. I said, please, please, can I drive your Dalek? And he's like, well, what have you driven? I said, okay, well, I've I've had my you know driving license since I was eighteen. I've driven a steam train. I've driven an electric train. I drove a train back for, to Faversham from Dover. Wow. I said, and because I used to work in the film industry, I've driven the Batmobile. Right. I have to say, <laughs> it's a model Batmobile because nobody got near <laughs> the real thing. Right. So that was the thing of it. And he was like, all right, hop in. So I became extermicate <laughs> for, for an hour, which was amazing. So, yes, all these all these sort of things. Please be nice to the Daleks. Yes. Um, they yeah. are lovely, and it is hot in there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can imagine. Yeah. Oh. Um, I guess we do have to talk about the the elephant in the room uh, being the pandemic and, and how it has affected uh, a large-scale event like uh, the UK Games Expo. Yeah. Um, you, you did mention uh, there, Richard, that you've, you've scaled it down, so it's uh, only 200 exhibitors, still plenty of content, mm -hmm. obviously, to, to see and do. Um, but is there any other sort of... How, how have you, as the organisers, had to deal with the constantly changing um, regulations and restrictions yeah. uh, coming in to obviously safeguard and make sure that the event is is safe for everybody to attend. Yeah, obviously it's been a, a, a very difficult year. I mean, we we, mm. we cancelled, we postponed a show, we then cancelled it, replaced it with a virtual show, rearranged the dates, then postponed that show, and now <laughs> this is the Mark Five or something yes. attempt. Yeah. Um, over the winter, of course, the, the the vaccines came online, so that that looked good. 
uh, the, you know, the rates rates in the UK dropped off, so all that was looking pretty good in this sort of spring. And then, of course, we had the old Delta come along, and the open yeah. has led to this surge that we're in at the moment. Um, and and they're on a delay to the opening up, and all sorts of questions about what should what should large events be doing. So it's yeah. been quite a lot of time having to sort of sit down and think, okay, what do we what do we do with this event to to, to make sure that it, it is it is safe? So there's a as well like thirteen different elements to the to the sort of safety plan, if you like, and mm. all that's about sort of uh, the distancing. Still, there is a fair amount of measures to to make the whole thing much more spaced out. So I worked out that there's roughly um, twice as much square meterage per person that you would have had at the 2019 show. Um, yeah. If you want to run the show, basically, rather than about one and a half square meters of space, you've got about three square meters of space to, to yourself, sort of. Thing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> shows, uh, there is, you know, wider aisles. We've in the gaming areas, we've put spaces in between the tables to wipe so that there are, and in the tournament areas, the same. We're sort of alternating tournament table and then a, you know, a, a gap in another tournament table, that sort of thing. So yeah. to, just to spread the whole thing out, uh, the venue itself has been upgraded. Um, significantly, so it has but lots and lots of, uh, you know, hand sanitizer stations, but also its its ventilation system has been upgraded to hospital quality. Because uh, okay. the other side of the hospital, I didn't see was for a time one of these Nightingale hospitals. Didn't actually. Yeah, I was, was going to say hospital. I thought it was serving as as a Nightingale. You think it was of... built? I'm not sure it ever took patients, so it might have right. more number, but it wasn't. It wasn't. Yeah. It was decommissioned. But the fact is, the the filter systems had to be upgraded, so they were yeah. changed. So that was so that's important. And then in terms of the the actual and um, numbers of attendees and exhibitors, you know, we've been we've been looking at a plan around about fifty percent. Um, which is mm. roughly where we're going, to, we're going to end up. So that's half the normal attendees, half the normal, um, you know, visitor uh, exhibitors, um, and but in pretty much the same amount of space or, or close to. So yeah, that's going to that's going to help. Um, and then we we're running with uh, COVID passes to get access. So which is what's being recommended by government, but also actually. Um, Local authorities have the rights to add additional levels of um, restrictions onto events. Yeah. Uh, so when, when, when there was a conversation with them, we already said that we were looking at doing these passes, but they said yes, well, they would have wanted those in place anyway. But we'd already chose to do it, but mm. insisted on it. Um, so they'll be on access points to the NEC. So you'll have to show the pass or a negative lateral flow test or vaccine status or something like that. Yeah. The exact the exact um, thing is being worked out this next day or two. Uh, but it's but it's but we've got fairly detailed instructions on the website the sort of thing you would need to bring along with you um and then masks we're going with you know wearing bring a mask wear a mask in the event yeah um so i think with all of those things taken together um you know and there's an outdoor space the viking village that you can get out to and have a bit of a bit of fresh air as well so yeah combinations of all of those things i mean I, I, i've been saying to people that really you don't have to currently show a pass to get in the supermarket uh, mm. or, a, or, a, or a pub that you yeah. do a pass to get in the expo. So actually, we would argue that we are actually, if anything, a safer environment than, than a lot yeah. of the places that you could potentially go to um, that same weekend. Plus, everyone um, at the show should be a negative. Uh, yeah, thing, test. Of course. And again, none of those places yeah. are asking for that for that evidence. A lot of the places yeah. aren't enforcing, you know, aren't saying bring a mask, wear a mask. And yeah. Some of them are, but some of them aren't. Um, so I think we would say that you know, given that environment with the extra space and everything, um, then I think it, you know, we, we've certainly put a lot of thought in trying to make it safe as yeah. can be done. 
um, and like Richard, yeah. this is this is not something that we've been doing in isolation. A, a lot of people say, "Well, what do we do? What do we do?" And you know, if Her Majesty's government can't tell you what you're supposed <laughs> to do, just let go, guys. You know. But we are talking to other shows around yeah. the world and things, and a lot of yeah. similar measures in various levels. I mean, um, yes. um, up at Gen Con at Origins and so on, where they'll be doing, they're asking for people to show vaccine status or testing or something like that. So mm, I think it's, yeah. I think we're on the same wavelength if you like as the other the other big shows that are going to be be happening yeah this year basically keeping keeping everything safe and um yes and we've been looking at the events research program that has been running which actually one of the chaps the nec has been heavily involved in so we've getting information from him um, the solihull um council as well as looking at all the stuff from public health england so it's a lot of information which we've gone through i mean i think the advantage is that um I, I, I originally have a biology degree. Uh, Dr. Denning here was a, was a, a <laughs> EP, a nurse Tess in the other room, still works the NHS um, on and off. So we've got a reasonable set of people who are looking at it going, right, how do we make this work? How do we look at what's safe? How do we get all of this data and make the best show possible? I guess a really important question there is for those on your staff who do have those medical qualifications, do they carry over to the board game operation? I, I, it's amazing how how um, knowledge. Uh, 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 I actually played the game operation. Or, or pandemic. I, I, was, I, I, I was never a surgeon. <laughs> I, wouldn't let me, uh, I didn't do very much um, minor surgery. They tend to. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I was I was all right with that actually. <laughs> Not too. <laughs> I, I tend to deal with, with plants though. So they all right. Don't squeal as much. No. Really. no. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so you've already touched on the next question I was going to ask was what can visitors expect to see at the uh, this year's expo? But um, I guess uh, I'll throw the the sort of flip this one on its head and ask you guys what is happening at this expo that you're particularly excited about seeing um, as the organisers and staff. To be honest with you, from my point of view, it is simply being able to see um, people in the in, in the flesh again. Mm. So it's meeting up with the with all the exhibitors and visitors and things that we've you know maybe we've had some contacts with over the last sixteen months, uh, perhaps with the virtual thing that we did or for other beans. But you just haven't been able to. It's all been done through Zoom things or down yeah. and not in the real world. Uh, that doesn't mean that we're all going to rush around hugging everyone because it's no. you know in sensible times and all that. <laughs> but it's being able to be in in a, in a place and we can and everyone can show each other what they've got. Yes, um, and and stuff, and you know, most most people put a lot of thought into, you know, laying out their stands in a safe way, lots of space, but it still allows them to show their their the things they're working on, the prototypes of what's coming up, what, yeah. what's been released over the over the pandemic period that maybe people weren't aware of. Uh, so mm. just seeing that, seeing the stuff that we are catching up with what people have been doing and what they're planning to do, I think is from my point of view rather than any specific item. Uh, and we get the advantage that we see all the awards games entries, so we see some of the new stuff coming through, and some of that's pretty, pretty you know, a lot of it's very exciting stuff. Uh, but actually, I think it's just meeting people and catching back up with them for the first time in 16 months, because usually we used to yeah. get to do, uh, several shows a year. Uh, you know, it's not just expert. Like, I, I mean, we tend to get to Gen Con as. Um, We'll yeah. see people at yeah. Aircon so, and Dragon Meet as well. Dragon Meet, yeah, yeah. Dragon Meet in London, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, <clears> and uh, there are several ones around. So normally, um, about ten times a year, um, mm. I, I tend to get to a show. Uh, and of course, I mean, none of that since Aircon in March of uh, 
2020. So that's the biggest thing for me. Uh, yeah. You? Uh, yeah, no, no, I, I absolutely second that, the whole seeing people in person saying hello. Um, so some of them as well is, um, so it's lovely to see your mates and things who turn up at the show, although uh, for us that tends to be a hi, a bye, kind of, where <laughs> yeah. we are working the weekend. Um, but it's also nice to meet the people who you've been emailing and talking to because you've been, you know, they've been they've got marketing stuff with you or they're saying, what do we do about this? How do we do that? So it's actually um, meeting them in person as well, which is just just one of us, a big community social kind of thing. Mm. Um, the, the hazard to uh, my job, because I handle the marketing for people coming in, is that I'll often see what's coming up. And I, I already have a list of things that I need to go and buy at the show. You know? <laughs> Uh, which which can be expensive but um but it's it's great because you're like oh that's really interesting but yes yeah, it's, it's definitely seeing the people all all of the people there that that would be amazing and if you've not been to the show for the first time it's the meeting of the people and meeting new people which is surprisingly yeah. easy um for a show this size and um, and for people who can't make it there in person this year is there going to be still be that online presence that you were talking about before well, well, the virtual show? There won't be the full virtually expo that we did last year because that right. required us to completely adapt about the model of doing a show. Yeah. Uh, we're online trade halls and online events and all sorts of stuff. But we will be um, showing street, there'll be streaming of a certain amount of video content going out, probably on tabletop. That's our media partners. Uh, mm -hmm. They're based in Northern Ireland, but they are sending four people across to, to video. Bits yep. of the show, so there will be live interviews. Well, I say they'll be recorded and then re uploaded and then sent out during the course of the day. But yep. the idea is you'll be able to get a feel for what's going on, interviews with the various exhibitors and sponsors and things, uh, and see what see what's going on at the show. And and some of the the one thing we did do is the with Virtually Expo, we made it possible for exhibitors to list events that were going on. Some of those events could be online ones, so there's nothing to stop some of the exhibitors doing a you know a, 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 their own stream. Uh, or mm. broadcast from the show, so we will. And you tend to do a certain amount of coverage on yeah. No, I run and around like a crazy person with yeah. my television, <laughs> horribly excited about everything. So that's so brilliant. I think there'll be something. <laughs> nice. You will be able to pick up bits and bobs from the from what broadcast from the show. It yeah. won't be. There won't be. Uh, we haven't got a whole series of virtual events or anything like that as such. Because to be honest, it's been enough effort just making the get this show over the wire. Yeah. <laughs> Of but course, sort of doing uh, both was a wee, yeah. wee bit horrific, uh, but you should at least be able to see see enough to, yeah. to get a feel for and it. And that'll yeah. be on the front page of our website. You'll be able to see um, those broadcasts. Yeah. Um, so there'll be a takeover of the website on the Friday. Um, we're discussing with OTT this afternoon, actually, so we'll let we'll let people know what's going on. But if you look on the front page of the website, um, UK Games Expo website, you'll be able to see what's going on. There'll be broadcasts of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you go to the um, what's on and look at events, then you can see which um, exhibitors are um, doing little broadcasts and things. You can add them to a little schedule, which is on the website. So mm. um, you can, if, if you can't make it to the show, please do think about coming next year. It is amazing. And in, in the yeah. interim, please watch vicariously from the front page and any of the events pages to have a look. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh. All that's really left is to, uh, I guess, where can listeners go to find out more information about the UK Games Expo? So um, our mobile first website is uh, ukgamesexpo.co.uk. Um, yep. Head on to there. Um, we have a um, 
well, people seem to think it's a, it's a very good way of, of looking for all the information. We spend a lot of time um, and arguments <laughs> and <laughs> making it so that it's easy to find stuff. So you've got how you plan your stuff before the show, what's on at the show, what's happening after the show, how yep. to do events, how to get to tournaments. Uh, if you want to buy tickets, there's a big old button at the top of the screen. If you want to find out more about exhibiting, um, there's a big button at the top of the screen. And um, we will ask you to log in to the website in order to buy tickets. This is not because we want your data. We don't have your data. We have a name and an email address. And this quite likely might be Mr. Bear and you might be Darth Moth Badger at gmail.com. <laughs> That's all we know about you. This means that you can buy tickets. It means that if you buy the wrong ticket for the wrong day, you can get it refunded yourself all of this thing it puts the control in your hands so um, we also on facebook we are on instagram we are on twitter look for uk games expo and that's where we are and we are posting a lot yeah. so yeah oh. well, we're gonna yes. run a show rich yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two years. Um, <laughs> um, I believe it when we get to the Sunday, we're packing it away. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. <laughs> uh, when you when you're at the the pub afterwards, having yes. that well-deserved yeah. uh, pint yeah. of G and T or whatever floats yeah. your boat. Yeah, yeah. pint of G and T. That's actually quite smart. <laughs> Please drink responsibly. <laughs> Definitely do. It comes in pints, apparently. Oh no! Well, that's 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 it. But uh, I just wanted to wish you and the rest of the staff and the volunteers all the best for this uh, this year's games uh, expo. It, from what I've seen online, it looks absolutely sensational. Even with everything that's going on and and having to scale it back, it still seems like it's quite a lot of content um, to both you know exhibitors and seminars and gaming wise. So uh, I definitely will be tuning in to. I won't be able to get up to to Birmingham. For the expo this year hopefully next year but i will be tuning in and uh catching some of that online content but yeah best of luck with the show i hope it all goes uh swimmingly lovely and, thank um, you for, for yeah. talking to us it's been, been yes, a pleasure and that was kate and richard from the uk games expo if you want to find out more about the convention the links that kate mentioned are in the episode description so please do make sure you check those out well that's it for this episode of Brushing Up, but please make sure that you're subscribed to this podcast so that you stay notified when a new episode is released. But until next time, keep on hobbying. You've been listening to Brushing Up, a miniature painting and tabletop gaming podcast. If you have enjoyed the show, why not follow us on Facebook? Facebook.com forward slash Quartermaster Miniature Building Painting. And on Instagram, Instagram.com forward slash Quartermaster Studio. To find out more about Quartermaster Studios Commission Painting Services, please visit QuartermasterStudios.com. Brushing Up is a Quartermaster Studios production with music supplied by BenSound.com.